Chapter Two of Legends of Charlemagne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Legends of Charlemagne by Thomas Bulfinch. Chapter Two The Peers or Paladins. The twelve most illustrious knights of Charlemagne were called Peers for the equality that reigned among them while the name paladins also conferred on them implies that they were inmates of the palace and companions of the king their names are always given alike by the romancers yet we may enumerate the most distinguished of them as follows orlando or roland the former the italian the latter the french form of the name favorite nephew of charlemagne rinaldo of montalban cousin of orlando namo duke of bavaria salomon king of brittany turpin the archbishop astolfo of england ogier the dane malagigi the enchanter and florismart the friend of orlando there were others who were sometimes named as paladins and the number cannot be strictly limited to twelve Charlemagne himself must be counted one, and Ganelon of Gano, the Mayans, the treacherous enemy of all the rest, was rated high on the list by his deluded sovereign, who was completely the victim of his arts. We shall introduce more particularly to our readers a few of the principal peers, leaving the others to make their own introduction as they appear in the course of our narrative. We begin with Orlando. Orlando Milan or Milone, a knight of great family and distantly related to Charlemagne, having secretly married Bertha, the emperor's sister, was banished from France and excommunicated by the Pope. After a long and miserable wandering on foot, as Merdicans, Milan and his wife arrived in Sutri, in Italy, where they took refuge in a cave, and in that cave Orlando was born. There, his mother continued, deriving a scanty support from the compassion of the neighboring peasants, while Milan, in quest of honor and fortune, went into foreign lands. Orlando grew up among the children of the peasantry, surpassing them all in strength and manly graces. Among his companions in age, though in station far more elevated, was Oliver, son of the governor of the town, between the two boys a feud arose that led to a fight in which orlando trashed his rival but this did not prevent a friendship springing up between the two which lasted through life orlando was so poor that he was sometimes half naked as he was a favorite of the boys one day four of them brought some cloth to make him clothes two brought white and two red and from this circumstance orlando took his coat of arms or quarterings. When Charlemagne was on his way to Rome to receive the imperial crown, he dined in public in Sutri. Orlando and his mother that day had nothing to eat, and Orlando, coming suddenly upon the royal party, seeing abundance of provisions, seized from the attendants as much as he could carry off, and made good his retreat in spite of their resistance. The emperor, being told of this incident, was reminded of an intimation he had received in a dream, and ordered the boy to be followed. 
this was done by three of the knights whom orlando would have encountered with a cudgel on their entering the grotto had not his mother restrained him when they heard from her who she was they threw themselves at her feet and promised to obtain her pardon from the emperor this was easily effected orlando was received into favor by the emperor returned with him to france and so distinguished himself that he became the most powerful support of the throne and of christianity roland and Ferragus. orlando or roland particularly distinguished himself by his combat with Ferragus. Ferragus was a giant and moreover his skin was of such impenetrable stuff that no sword could make any impression upon it the giant's mode of fighting was to seize his adversary in his arms and carry him off in spite of all the struggles he could make roland's utmost skill only availed him to keep him out of the giant's clutches but all his efforts to wound him with the sword were useless after long fighting Ferragus was so weary that he proposed a truce and when it was agreed upon he lay down and immediately fell asleep he slept in perfect security for it was against all the laws of chivalry to take advantage of the adversary under such circumstances but Ferragus lay so uncomfortably for the want of a pillow that orlando took pity upon him and brought a smooth stone and placed it under his head when the giant woke up after a refreshing nap and perceived what orlando had done he seemed quite grateful became sociable and talked freely in the usual boastful style of such characters among other things he told orlando that he need not attempt to kill him with a sword for that every part of his body was invulnerable except this and as he spoke he put his hand on his vital part just in the middle of his breast aided by this information orlando succeeded when the fight was renewed in piercing the giant in the very spot he had pointed out and giving him a death wound great was the rejoicing in the christian camp and many the praises showered upon the victorious paladin by the emperor and all his host on another occasion orlando encountered a puissant saracen warrior and took from him as the prize of victory the sword durindana the famous weapon that once belonged to the illustrious prince hector of troy it was of the finest workmanship and of such strength and temper that no armor in the world could stand against it a roland for an oliver guerin the montglave held the lordship of vienne subject to charlemagne he had quarrelled with his sovereign and charles laid siege to his city having ravaged the neighboring country guerin was an aged warrior but he wailed for his defiance upon his four sons and two grandsons who were among the bravest knights of the age after the siege had continued two months charlemagne received tidings that marsilius king of spain had invaded france and finding himself unopposed was advancing rapidly to the southern provinces at this intelligence charles listened to the counsel of his peers and consented to put the quarrel with guerin to the decision of heaven by single combat between two knights one of each party selected by lot the proposal was acceptable to guerin and his sons the names of the four together with guerin's own who would not be excused and the two grandsons who claimed their lot being put into a helmet 
Oliver's was drawn forth, and to him, the youngest of the grandsons, was assigned the honor and the peril of the combat. He accepted the award with delight, exulting in being thought worthy to maintain the cause of his family. On Charlemagne's side, Roland was the designated champion, and neither he nor Oliver knew who his antagonist was to be. They met on an island in Rome, and the warriors of both camps were ranged on either shore, spectators of the battle. At the first encounter, both lances were shivered, but both riders kept their seats immovable. They dismounted and drew their swords. Then ensued a combat which seemed so equal that the spectators could not form an opinion as to the probable issue. Two hours and more the knights continued to strike and parry, to thrust and ward, neither showing any sign of weariness, not even being taken at unawares. At length Orlando struck furiously upon Oliver's shield, burying Dorindana in its edge so deeply that he could not draw it back and Oliver, almost at the same moment, thrust so vigorously upon Orlando's breastplate that his sword snapped off at the handle. Thus were the two warriors left weaponless. Scarcely pausing for a moment, they rushed upon one another, each striving to throw his adversary to the ground, and failing in that. Each snatched at one another's helmet to tear it away. Both succeeded and at the same moment they stood bareheaded face to face, and Roland recognized Oliver and Oliver Roland. For a moment they stood still, and the next, with open arms, rushed into one another's embrace. I am conquered, said Orlando. I yield me, said Oliver. The people on the shore knew not what to make of all this. Presently they saw the two late antagonists standing hand in hand, and it was evident the battle was at an end. The knights crowded round them, and with one voice hailed them as equals in glory. If there were any who felt disposed to murmur that the battle was left undecided, they were silenced by the voice of Ogier the Dane, who proclaimed aloud that all had been done that honor required, and declared that he would maintain that award against all the gainsayers. The quarrel with Guerin and his sons being left undecided, a truce was made for four days, and in that time, by the efforts of Duke Namo on one side and of Oliver on the other, a reconciliation was effected. Charlemagne, accompanied by Guerin and his valiant family, marched to meet Marsilius, who hastened to retreat across the frontier. Rinaldo Rinaldo was one of the four sons of Amen, who married Aya, the sister of Charlemagne. Thus, Rinaldo was nephew to Charlemagne and cousin of Orlando. When Rinaldo had grown old enough to assume arms, Orlando had won for himself an illustrious name by his exploits against the Saracens, whom Charlemagne and his brave knights had driven out of France. Orlando's fame excited a noble emulation in Rinaldo, Eager to go in pursuit of glory, he wandered in the country near Paris, and one day saw at the foot of a tree a superb horse, fully equipped and loaded with a complete suit of armor. Rinaldo clothed himself in the armor and mounted the horse, but took not the sword. On the day 
when with his brothers he had received the honor of knighthood from the emperor he had sworn never to bind a sword to his side till he had wrested one from some famous knight rinaldo took his way to the forest of Aradon, celebrated for so many adventures hardly had he entered it when he met an old man bending under the weight of ears and learned from him that the forest was infested with a wild horse untamable that broke and overturned everything that opposed his career to attack him he said or even to meet him was certain death rinaldo far from being alarmed showed the most eager desire to combat the animal this was the horse bayard afterwards so famous he had formerly belonged to amadis of gaul after the death of that hero he had been held under enchantment by the power of a magician who predicted that when the time came to break the spell he should be subdued by a knight of the lineage of amadis and not less brave than he to win this wonderful horse it was necessary to conquer him by force or skill for from the moment when he should be thrown down he would become docile and manageable his habitual resort was a cave on the borders of the forest but woe to be any who should approach him unless gifted with strength and courage more than mortal having told this the old man departed he was not in fact an old man but malagigi the enchanter cousin of rinaldo who to favor the enterprises of the young knight had procured for him the horse and armor which so opportunately found and now put him in the way to acquire a horse unequalled in the world rinaldo plunged into the forest and spent many days in seeking bayard but found no traces of him one day he encountered a saracen knight with whom he had made acquaintance as often happened to knights by first meeting him in combat this knight whose name was isolier was also in quest of bayard rinaldo succeeded in the encounter and so severe was the shock that isolier was long time insensible when he revived and was about to resume the contest a peasant who passed by it was Molagigi, interrupted them with the news that the terrible horse was near at hand advising them to unite their powers to subdue him for it would require all their ability rinaldo and isolier now became friends proceeded together to the attack of the horse they found bayard and stood a long time concealed by the wood admiring his strength and beauty a bright bay in color whereas he was called bayard with a silver star in his forehead and his hind feet wide his body slender his head delicate his ample chest filled out with swelling muscles his shoulder broad and full his legs straight and sinewy his thick mane falling over his arching neck he came rushing through the forest regardless of rocks bushes or trees rending everything that opposed his way and neighing defiance he first descried isolier and rushed upon him the knight received him with lance in rest but the fire's animal broke the spear and his course was not delayed by it for an instant the spaniard adroitly stepped aside and gave way to the rushing tempest bear checked his career and turned again upon the knight who had already drawn his sword he drew his sword for he had no hope of taming the horse 
that he was satisfied was impossible. Baird rushed upon him, fiercely rearing, now on this side, now on that. The knight struck him with his sword, where the white star adorned his forehead, but struck in vain, and felt ashamed, thinking that he had struck feebly, for he did not know that the skin of the horse was so tough that the keenest sword could make no impression upon it. Whistling felt the sword once more, and struck with greater force, and the fire's horse felt it, and dropped his head under the blow but the next moment turned upon his foe with such a buffet that the pagan felt stunned and lifeless to the earth rinaldo who saw isolier fall and thought his life was reft darted towards the horse and with his fist gave him such a blow on the jaws that the blood tinged his mouth with vermilion quicker than an arrow lifts the bowl the horse turned upon him and tried to seize him arm with his teeth the knight stepped back and then repeating his blow struck him on the forehead bear turned and kicked with both his feet with a force that would have shattered a mountain rinaldo was on his guard and evaded his attacks whether made with head or heels he kept at his side avoiding both but making a full step he at last received a terrible blow from the horse's foot and at the shock almost fainted away a second such blow would have killed him but the horse kicked at random and the second blow did not reach rinaldo who in a moment recovered himself thus the contest continued until by chance baird's foot got caught between the branches of an oak rinaldo seized it and putting forth all his strength and address threw him on the ground no sooner had baird touched the ground than all his rage subsided no longer an object of terror he became gentle and quiet yet with dignity in his mildness the paladin patted his neck stroked his breast and smoothed his mane while the animal neighed and showed delight to be caressed by his master rinaldo seeing him now completely subdued took the saddle and trappings from the other horse and adorned bayard with the spoils rinaldo became one of the most illustrious knights of charlemagne's court indeed the most illustrious if we accept orlando yet he was not always so obedient to the emperor's commands as he should have been and every fault he committed was sure to be aggravated by the malice of gon duke of maganza the treacherous enemy of rinaldo and all his house at one time rinaldo had incurred the severe displeasure of charlemagne and been banished from the court seeing no chance of being ever restored to favour he went to spain and entered into the service of the saracen king ivo his brothers alardo ricardo and ricciardetto accompanied him and all four served the king so faithfully that they rose to high favour with him the king gave them land in the mountains on the frontiers of france and spain and subjected all the country around to rinaldo's authority there was plenty of marble in the mountains the king furnished workmen and they built a castle for rinaldo surrounded with high walls so as to be almost impregnable built of white stone and placed on the brow of a marble promontory the castle shone like a star and rinaldo gave it the name of montalban here he assembled his friends many of whom were banished men like himself and the country people furnished them with provisions in return for the protection the castle afforded yet some of rinaldo's men were lawless 
and sometimes the supplies were not furnished in sufficient abundance so that rinaldo and his garrison got a bad name for taking by force what they could not obtain by gift and we sometimes find montalban spoken of as a nest of freebooters and its defenders called a beggarly garrison charlemagne's displeasure did not last long and at the time our history commences rinaldo and his brothers were completely restored to the favor of the emperor and none of his cavaliers served him with greater zeal and fidelity than they throughout all his wars with the saracens and the pagans End of chapter two recording by anna naumoska